If you have small children, you know that it's a constant process of reminding them to do the basic things, you know, like brush your teeth, take your shower, uh, throw away your trash, things like that, just the mundane. You have to constantly remind uh, every day, it seems, multiple times throughout the day, and that's just part of it. And it doesn't really go away once you become an adult. We have to constantly remember to do things that we probably shouldn't have to be reminded of, but you know what you do. You set reminders now on your phone or your watch now, and you have to give yourself those reminders or tasks will go undone or unfinished, and uh, it's something that we all struggle with. And that extends even to the spiritual. Um, You'd think that if you have been a follower of Christ for decades, that uh, you wouldn't need basic spiritual reminders of the truths that you absolutely know so well and even tell others about, but we do. Um, That's why even in the Old Testament that uh, Joshua made sure that there were stones of remembrance when Israel came through from the Jordan. He knew uh, our tendency is to go about life and to get distracted and to forget these big, wonderful, truly miraculous things that our faithful God does for us. And so he had them set up stones of remembrance so that they would remember uh, they didn't do this on their own. They needed God and he came through and always will. And so we need those types of things. And that's why Paul uh, spent so much time throughout the letter that he wrote to the Philippians that we've been in now the last four weeks and we're wrapping up today in our study. That's why he spent so much time saying, remember to be joyful. I want to remind you the joy that is yours in Christ. Apply it, embrace it, come back to it. Remember what you have available to you. You remember that you can be joyful people and that's what you should be. So he says that throughout this little letter. And we've talked about the fact that the theme of the letter is joy and that we can be joyful people. And so as we wrap up uh, in Philippians 4 today, I hope that you'll look at that with me and whatever uh, copy of God's Word you have available to you. Philippians 4 is where we're going to be as we conclude this study, Joyful, and we're going to pick up in verse 4. And as he's done many times throughout this letter already, he says, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And we talked about last week that that word rejoice means to joy greatly and to be saturated with encouragement and the truth of what we have available to us in and through Christ. So Paul also uh, brings out a very specific detail that he's mentioned several times uh, as he's written this letter, and that is the source of that great joy. The reason that we can rejoice and the reason we should rejoice is all found in and tied to, anchored to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's another important word. Um, Always means no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter what comes your way, no matter what you might be tempted to think is lacking, um, no matter what is is real for you. It doesn't change reality. It just says, look past the immediate, look past what is right in front of you. And no matter what you're you're walking in and no matter what you're facing, determine, make that choice 
to be full of joy. Why? How? In the Lord. That's the key. In the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of that, we can constantly rejoice and be full of joy. Verse 5, as a result of that, he says this, let your graciousness or gentleness is another word for what he's conveying there, be known to everyone. The Lord is near. So as we Christians, followers of Christ, determine to be joyful people, and and as we make that choice to joy greatly, to rejoice, knowing that we can do that because of Jesus, and and our joy comes from Him, and and as we determine, you know what, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look for my joy in other places or other people or other things. I'm gonna look for my joy in Jesus, and as we make that choice, moment after moment, then what happens is. What he, he says to have true of you in verse five, that, that's going to be a natural result. That we'll have graciousness. That's going to be the result of our choice and our remembering that we can be joyful people. And as we make that determination, I'm going to find my joy in Jesus. Then the result is that we will be people that are not just full of joy, but people that are full of graciousness or gentleness. And I know that that's what you want. You want to be that kind of person. And you know how refreshing it is when you're around people that are that way, right? Uh, it does something for your soul when you're around people who seem to just have this graciousness, this gentleness. Um, it's, a, it's a very therapeutic thing. And that's not something that only a select few can tap into. That's something that is available to all of us as a direct result of being joyful people in the Lord. And Paul says something else here. Uh, that's something that is not supposed to be limited just to the church. It's not that as we gather as believers that we're to let this gentleness or graciousness be so evident in our lives. It's supposed to be evident and obvious to everyone. He says at the last part of verse 5, let that graciousness be known to everyone. Uh, let your gentleness and your graciousness, which is a direct result of your joy in the Lord Jesus, let that be broadcast. Let that be a witness to everyone. And it's a direct relationship to the the reality of the return of Christ. He says, the Lord is near. He's coming. His return is soon. And one way of, of even getting other people to be aware of that fact and, and be prepared for that fact by entering into a relationship with him themselves is for them to see in you two things. Joy, real, lasting, powerful joy that's only found in Jesus. And then the result of that, graciousness, gentleness of spirit. It's all tied together, and it all comes from that choice, that constant choice to find and live out the joy of the Lord Jesus. Um, what that means for you and me, uh, it's, it's something that is simple to hear and to recognize, uh, but so often hard to live out, and that is that the Christian's joy can 
be constant. It really can because of Christ, because he is constant and because he is the constant source of joy. So Christian, your joy really can be constant. We need to remember that. And we need to remember, more importantly, um, why that's true and how that can be true. And it's all because of the constancy of our Savior. And just also keep in mind, as we go about our, our day, and uh, we've just had Thanksgiving, and it's it's been something that's deliberate and intentional, right, to be full of joy and full of thanks, but now we're going into our, our work week and real life again um, in that kind of in-between part of, of Thanksgiving and Christmas, and there's stress and there's pressure. So I also just want to encourage you, as Paul encouraged the Philippians, to remember our joy should be contagious. We're, we're definitely all thinking about contagious things still, right? With uh, all that's still going on around us. Um, but joy can be contagious, and it should be contagious, even to people outside of Christ. And if you do venture out, and you are face-to-face, or, or mask-to-mask, as it were, uh, with people out in the community, and sales clerks, and things like that, and, and people are down, and frustrated, and stressed, and next time that happens, I just want to challenge you, and challenge me <laughs> with something. Rather than responding in kind with frustration, or a bad attitude, or rudeness, uh, let's be determined that we're going to respond with joy that, again, is ours through Christ. And just wait and see what happens. It, it may not be immediate, but wait and see. There's going to be something that happens in the mind of that person, and maybe, just maybe, you'll even see it on their face. Because joy is contagious, even to people outside of Christ. And our our joy should point people to him, to the source of our joy, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our joy should point people to him instead of away from him. And far too often, unfortunately, I think we Christians can can actually be toxic. And I think that uh, even though we know the right answers and, and we know where joy should come from, we don't embrace it, we don't apply it, and many times... We actually turn people away from the source of joy we're supposed to be turning them to. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's a reality that uh, we Christians can actually end up being toxic uh, rather than being that sweet, sweet-smelling savor that we're supposed to be. So I just want to challenge all of us. Uh, let's turn people toward our Savior, who is the source of joy, not just for us, but who will be the only source of joy for them that they're looking for. All right, let's, let's make sure we do that. Let's make that a priority. Um, also, as he goes on, uh, he says this, uh, and this is still attached to the previous statements and the previous verses. Verse 6 is where we are, and Paul says this, Don't worry about anything, but in everything... Through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, that should be fresh on our minds, right? Just coming off of that holiday. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, 
Here's the result of doing that, of determining uh, not to worry, not to be crippled by anxiety, uh, but in everything through prayer and, and petition, that's requests and intercessions, with thanksgiving, with praise, presenting your, your request to God. The result of all that is this, the peace of God, not self-manufactured peace, doesn't come from you, the peace of God, perfect peace, powerful peace, which surpasses or exceeds all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard there, um, that means like a, a military uh, base. It, it means like uh, being behind a fortress. Uh, think of Fort Knox, you know, or something like that. Um, what, what Paul is saying here is the peace of God actually acts as, as this uh, uh, army unit, you know, that, that surrounds you and you're behind this impenetrable fortress. Uh, that's what happens, what God gives you, what he does for you, what he makes available to you if you will surrender to that and yield to that and yield to him. And, and as we make a priority uh, to, to do the things that uh, Paul is instructing here in this verse, uh, to not worry, uh, rather in contrast to make a choice, no, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to give in to anxiety, rather I'm going to take everything, small and great, to God in prayer, and I'm going to rely on him, and I'm going to trust in him, and I'm going to praise him. Uh, I'm going to replace... The panic with praise. And as we do that, uh, Paul says the, the peace of God just comes to us and flows uh, over us and it guards, it keeps safe and secure our hearts and minds. And in Christ Jesus, there's that, that source again. All of this is tied to and anchored to our living, reigning Lord Jesus. Then in verse 8, he says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things, or or be saturated by these things. Soak those things up. Let that occupy your mind and your mindset. It's very similar to what Paul says in Romans 12 too, where we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That word renewal, uh, it's the same word that we get metamorphosis from. You know, think of the, the caterpillar that becomes the butterfly. It's a total transformation. It's a whole new thing. And so in Romans 12 too, Paul says, don't be conformed to the world, rather, metamorphosize, be transformed. Uh, and the way we do that is by renewing your mind. It's this constant renovation of your thoughts. It's out with the old, in with the new. It's replacement. Um, think of a, of a home project where you're, you're doing away with the old, uh, decayed thing, whatever that might be that you're working on, and you're replacing it with something brand new. Uh, that's the idea here, and it all comes down to your mind. It all comes down to what you think. Second Corinthians 10.5, Paul says, take every thought captive unto Christ. And, and that's what we have to do. Every thought that comes into our minds, we have to actually think about what we're thinking, and we have to capture those thoughts. Is this something that is matching this list, what I'm thinking about right now, is, is what I'm thinking and allowing to 
occupy space in my mind and what I'm allowing to rule my thoughts right now, is it true? Is it actually true? Uh, whenever we are faced with uh, a stressful situation or um, anxiety starts to set in, the first things that first thing that happens from that is that our our thoughts are not anchored in what is true, and you know what I'm talking about. Whenever um, you are are overwhelmed, whenever you feel panicked, the first thing that happens is all these thoughts come flooding in your mind, and most of them are not anchored in reality. Most of them are are not true. You know they're. They're exaggerated things, or they're embellished, uh, or they're missing an entire uh, section of of reality and truth. And so uh, we evaluate: okay, what am what am I actually thinking? What what are my thoughts seasoned with right now? Are, are they seasoned with what is true? Uh, are they seasoned with what is honorable? With what is just and right? Uh, are, are my thoughts pure? Uh, are, are they full of what is lovely or, and commendable? Uh, am I pursuing moral excellence by where my mind is going right now? Is my mind being occupied with what is praiseworthy or is it the opposite? So we actually intentionally, by the power of the Spirit, evaluate and contemplate what is actually in our minds. And we take every thought that is opposite to those things captive and we conform them to obedience for Christ and unto him. Um, So all of this works together. And and this is all part of what it means to experience the peace of God, which is a result of the joy in Christ that we have. So the peace of God, which is yours, believer, and mine, it's totally available to us. The peace of God empowers a joy-filled life. That's how it works. It all flows together. The peace of God empowers a joy-filled life, both of which we find in Christ. And as we wrap up, I want to turn your attention uh, down in the passage uh, to verses 12 and 13. And to summarize what happens between verse 8 where we left off and verse 12 where we pick up again, um, Paul turns his attention to some personal thanks. And he says, you know what else was a, is a source of joy for me? You helping me, you coming alongside and supporting me in my ministry. And he's, he's talking directly to these Philippian believers. And he says, I know you wanted to help me before now. You just weren't able to. And now you've been able to, and you've been so generous to me and you've, you've helped me and you provided for me. And, and I don't say this because I just had all this need and I was sitting around waiting. When are they going to give me this money? He said that that's not it. He said, I just, I just rejoice that you saw the opportunity to be a blessing to me, knowing that you're going to be blessed by giving to me. And he says, um, I, I don't really consider myself to need anything. I've, I've learned what it means to be content. And he says this in verse 12, I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. And here's something we really need to pay attention to. We all need to learn and remember and apply the secret of contentment. 
I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him, speaking of Christ, who strengthens me. And here's something I want to just zero in on. This verse, Philippians 4.13, is one of many verses throughout Scripture that are frequently, almost constantly, taken out of context. This this verse, this great statement, this powerful confidence that Paul is talking about, being able to do all things through him who strengthens me, that's tied directly to what he had just got done saying. Um, it, it's completely part of what he said at the uh, end of verse 12, that, that he's learned to make do with a little, and he's learned to make do with a lot, that in any and all circumstances, Paul says he's, he learned the secret of being content. didn't matter if he was well-fed or hungry, in abundance or in need. See, that's, that's how he's able to, to know that. That's how he's able to walk through those different circumstances. That's how he's able to say in all sincerity that in any and all circumstances... Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, he's content and joyful. It's because of verse 13, because he's able to endure all those different circumstances. Uh, All that fluctuating reality for Paul didn't just drive him insane. Rather, he was able to remain rooted and fixed and anchored in joy. Why? Because of him who gives him strength. And the same is true for you and me, That, that same confidence is possible for you and me, not in and of ourselves, not in uh, everything lining up the right way in our lives, the way we want it to be right here and now, not an instant gratification. No, all through Jesus Christ, the source of joy who gives us strength, who gives us his joy, and who uh, allows the peace of God to flow into our lives. We've got to get that right. And remember where Paul is when he's writing all of this. He's under arrest. He's in house arrest in Rome with a a constant Roman guard. Um, It's not exactly ideal circumstances. It's maybe not as bad as when he was in the Philippian jail where he first met these people that he's writing to, but it's still not ideal. And yet, through it all and through all of Paul's experiences up to this point, he is able to say, I'm good. You know, Uh, no matter what is bad around me, I'm good. Because of him who gives me strength to be good, to be joyful, to experience the peace of God. Being a Christian and having the joy that comes through Christ as a Christian, it does not just magically change circumstances around us. It doesn't just deny reality that's in front of us. What being a Christian means and having the joy that is available to someone who is a Christian, it means that you're able to have a perspective greater than your immediate or physical circumstances. It means that above and beyond your reality, as difficult as it might be, you have a greater reality that you're tethered to constantly, and that is a joy that never fades. What Paul is trying to bring home to the Philippians and, and really what the, the Holy Spirit wants to bring home to us as we read this ancient document uh, is this, that contentment with God's provision produces continual joy. 
That's how Paul was able to experience it. That's what he wanted to remind the Philippians of, that as God provides you all these things that you need, and as God provides you with the grace to endure hard times and difficult circumstances, which the Philippians knew very well, he will also provide you with this supernatural peace. He'll provide you with the ability to be gracious and gentle through it all. And it will serve as a great powerful witness to everyone around you that is observing your life. It's all possible. Contentment with God's provision produces continual joy. And it all uh, comes together with, with these other concepts that Paul has brought home and and expressed and reminded that the peace of God really does empower a joy-filled perspective. And all of this, all of this can be constant and translate to joy, all because of the constancy of Christ. I hope that you have been encouraged by these truths Uh, as we've talked about it in one way or another each week. I hope that you've been encouraged as we've taken a a kind of a snapshot of this letter of Philippians. It's such a powerful little book, and uh, I think that now more than ever we need these kinds of reminders. So let's determine, with the power of the Spirit in us, to anchor ourselves, not by ourselves, but by His power, to that constant source of joy, knowing that it will yield the ability to be constantly gracious and gentle no matter what. And, uh, and let's be praising God that he will use that and use us as a witness for all those who need to see that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul's passion as he wrote to the Philippians. Thank you for uh, the confidence and reality that was his and that reality that he reminded the Philippian believers, that was theirs too. And then by extension, because we have your word preserved for us, we can have that same reminder. We can be challenged with the same truth. Help us to be people that are full of joy, not because of anything we produce in our own lives, not because of circumstances, just being that perfect, but rather because of what we have available to us in and through your Son and by the power of your Spirit. May we be joyful people, and may we experience the result of that joy, which is your peace that will guard our hearts and our minds in your Son. And then may we rejoice, joy greatly, at having all that be used by you to be a witness, to broadcast to all people around us, especially those who are unbelievers, that joy really is possible. And it's not just a thing, it's a person. Joy has a name, and it's Jesus. May that be seen and heard in and through our lives, all for your glory, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. God bless. Hope you have a great, joy-filled week.